Welcome to Richard Skipper Celebrates. Every show is a celebration. Richard celebrates the best in entertainment. But just wait a minute. No, not tonight. Tonight, we have a really great surprise. Tonight, the tables are turned, and the wonderful, talented Sandy Duncan will be interviewing Richard. Now, here's your host for this evening, Sandy Duncan. I am really delighted to be here. We did a few, uh, I don't know, interviews, about, was it about three weeks ago, four weeks, weeks ago? ago? And I, in passing, this is how this got started, said, I just like you so much. You're the kindest, you're the, on and on and on like that. And I really meant it. And I said, I'd love to interview you. And Richard goes, okay, you want to do that? Let's do that. And suddenly I went, oh, my God, <laughs> he's done like a thousand or over a thousand interviews. So I'm up against a master, but he's a kind one. And we're going to have a good time. I have a question. Is Richard supposed to talk anywhere here? Because Richard, I- you are amazing. The way you- I'll sit on a flagpole, whatever's the rage. Just taking my fudgy on the front God bless you and the work that you do. I'm living life from this very day. Look out, I'm on my way. My child, sparkling wit, even terrible will admit I got it when I gave my name. When I gave my name, when I gave my name, I hope a lot of people see your shows and realize that you are very good at this. Hello, I'm Richard Skipper. If you're gonna go out in the boat. Make sure you bring a skipper along. Because <laughs> you know everything old is new again. Yeah. And here we are. That was you that was singing, right? That was you. No, that was Peter Allen. But I could say it was me. Say it's you. You sounded great. It's me. That was, that was me as Peter Allen. Yeah, there you go. So what I'm going to do I'm is... So, I'm Richard, gonna... Richard, 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 don't, don't get upset, yes. but yeah, I'm going to have that's... to run this evening. Don't you feel responsibility because I have so many questions to ask you and, and get started with your beginning and go. So go ahead and say what you have to say, and then you just have to answer. Okay, go. Okay. I'm going to sit back and let you take uh, take charge. Okay. All right. First, I want to get, I, I want to get, because a lot of your fans, I'm sure, know this already. It's material they've heard, but I haven't heard it all, and a lot of people haven't. I, I just want to f- get your roots going first and, and how it started, because it's, I'm from the South, a little town like you, and how we get out of those places and onto our lives in this business is mind-blowing. Like, I don't know 
Mm-hmm. You were tiny probably when you decided you wanted to do this. What suddenly came into your heart living in that town and going to school with football players and people that like us? <laughs> suddenly you went, <laughs> I'm going to go to show business and I love it. What happened? What did you just say to yourself? Well, when you- I, well I am a product of 1960s and 70s television. Uh, I watched variety shows. uh those were the kind of, that was the world of show business that I wanted to be a part of. And you and I both know that by the time I got to New York, that type of show business no longer existed. But that still was what I wanted to be a part of. Um, I grew up a result of 1960s and 70s television when there were, thank God, only three networks. And those three networks vied for the largest demographic. So those networks were trying to get uh, those from my generation, my parents' generation, and my grandparents' generation sitting around the TV together. And as a result, I grew up knowing who those entertainers were from my parents' generation and my grandparents' generation. Now, remember, this is the 1960s, and vaudeville had only ended about 45, 50 years prior to this. So I grew up knowing who Carol Channing was and who George Burns was and who Sophie Tucker was and all these great entertainers that we would still see on the Ed Sullivan show and the Carol Burnett show, uh, thank God. And when I saw these people going out there and getting laughs and doing all these things, that was what I had to be a part of. So what I would do is I would, uh, with a little tape recorder, I would sit in front of my TV set and I would have my my little cassette tape recorder and I would record everything I would see and hear on the TV. And then I would memorize what I hear on the tape recorders and I would play it over and over and over again, uh, much to the consternation of my family. Some of them may be watching right now. And I would go to school on Mondays and I would show up on the front steps of Conway High School in my no. hometown where all, where all football players were watching and everything. And I would come out and I would imitate everything I saw on TV over the previous week. I would give a like a Reader's Digest version of Saturday Night Live, Carol Burnett, and everything else that I saw on television. And so very Everything, everything. Yeah. Uh, Sandy Duncan. I would do everything. (laughs) Okay, that's enough of that. Yes. (laughs) I mean, really, that was my era. No, you're right. I that yeah, that's Don and I met on a in a a 1970s uh, special called Sandy in Disneyland, which is beyond cute. So I know what you're talking about. And all those shows, you would show up as a guest of those shows, and eventually you get your own special because everybody got one that was a name at all. They go here, do a variety show special. And then that you're right. When you got there, it had dried up. So you decided to go to New York. And because because I didn't have those, the opportunities to do those specials, I created my own specials. And Uh so when I, I discovered, you know, this little theater company in my hometown called the theater of the Republic. And I, auditioned for them and started performing for them in 1974. And I started doing uh, local theater uh, with them. 
And then in, and this is all part of a one man show that I created called The Magic of Believing, because there's a great book called The Magic of Believing by Claude Imbrel. And I was reading this book, which tells you a little bit about the kind of kid I was, but I was reading this book on August 5th of 1974. And I read this sentence and it said, set your mind on a goal like a homing pigeon and go after it with dogged determination. And I underlined that sentence and I closed the book and I went in and I said to my mom and dad, five years from today, I'm going to New York. And they both laughed at me uh, as did everyone else. But every day, uh, every year on that date, I would announce to my family and to everyone who was listening, uh, five years today, I'm going to New York. Four years from today, I'm going to New York. Three years from today, I'm going to New York and so on. And on August 5th, 1979, with $500 in my pocket, I arrived in New York City. And you know that this is, we, we're going to have a lot of little, like, just missed it's between you and me on August 10th of the same year, 1979, I started previews on Broadway of Peter Pan, five days after That's you arrived right. there. I did. So That's you got right. there, you got an apartment. Was... I'm sorry. I did. And no, it, it, and it was right after that that I saw you in Peter Pan. And I remember being at the Minskoff. I went into audition for, believe it or not, George Abbott was holding auditions for Big Deal. And you were, and I uh, actually saw you in the hallway because you were, they were holding auditions for the kids. and. I was so excited uh, to see you in person uh, at the Minskoff Studios uh, that it, th you were like one of my first celebrity sightings in New York. Wow, well, see, you're going to see so. there are several places <laughs> that you and I cross paths. But I want to I, I yes. show because your sister kindly, I don't know if you know this, because I said, I'd like some pictures, you know. So these are like pictures like we used to take in the old days. So I hope people can see them. I mean, they're not like our kids snapping pictures of everything you do and they're clear. This is a picture of your mom and you. And I assume this may be your teddy bear that you loved. Let's see. I don't even know if you. Okay. Oh, how did you, see you get these? <laughs> you see that? Yes. Your that's, mom that, that is really pretty. No, that's actually that that is actually my aunt Wanda. Uh, well, she's pretty. Yes, my aunt. Yes, uh, my can you see yourself there? And there's your teddy. And that I me guess? and my big teddy bear, uh, bigger uh, than me. Yeah, he is bigger. How old yes. were you here? About four, three. I was probably about three at that at, at that yeah. point. And as you can see, I mean, if people can see the picture again, um, I grew up on a farm. Uh, there is a uh, that's a tobacco barn that, that's behind that uh, dirt road. Uh, so uh, that's you know yeah we're, uh, uh, just outside of Conway where I grew up. Yeah, Conway, South Carolina. Conway, South Carolina. Yeah. So your parents, your parents owned this tobacco farm and worked it, or what? No, my grandparents owned that farm. My father was one of 10 children, actually 11 children. Uh, one of my uh, father's baby brothers uh, died uh, 10 days after birth. Um, but there were 11 kids altogether. And my mom uh, is, was, uh, is 
the oldest of 16 children. 16, 16 kids. 16, Woo, 16 kids. 16 yeah. kids. Here's a so picture. Big. So it was your grandparents who owned the, the tobacco farm. And this is a picture That's of your right. dad and you running a train. That's my father and I. Uh, with my uh, yes, of course, that was my father and I. That's one of my favorite pictures of my dad and myself. That's at my grandparents' home. Um, I still remember those fiberglass curtains. Do you remember fiberglass yes. curtains? Yes, I do. Everybody had them then. <laughs> Christmas, yes, pretty, really pretty, oh aren't dad. they? He's very yes. good looking. He is very yes. good looking. Do you look like your dad? Yes. It's hard to tell. I look at my daughter. And the older I get, I, as I look in the mirror, I see my father looking back at me. You're adorable in that. And there's a picture of your oh. family and every one of you. I, I assume this is the, the four uh, siblings you have. It's three sisters and a brother. I have right? one sister and, uh, and two brothers. I'm the oldest. Well, this is a, you'll have to say who these people are because I don't think they're all okay. your... You are so handsome in this. You are really a looker. I mean, not that you're not still, but ah, no, no, I mean, we all are. You are really <laughs> gorgeous. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Oh, my I God. see much oh. cuter than my other. You're handsome. Okay. Now, well, these are, you. wait, who now, are these? Those, are, those are cousins. Uh, that's my sister uh, on the far left, uh, my uh -huh. brother, Emery. My cousin Karen uh, to my left, uh, and then myself, and then my cousin Joanne. Uh huh. Because yeah, you you would have a big family, wouldn't you? Because yes, there were yes. four of you. Yeah, I had a tiny yes. family. That's really great. This is this is like right before you're going to New York. I mean, you look like you're uh, a, a bat from New York. This uh, this is after I had moved to New York. This was you know one uh -huh. of the holidays I had gone home. This was long after right. I'd been living in New York. Okay, last picture, but I want to see this because it's so... Are you standing in front of a Volkswagen Beetle? Can you tell? <laughs> I you? sure am, yeah. Well, that's what Look I got. <laughs> I have one. Is that... Oh, really? Whose car is that? Whose is that? Uh, I think that that was my Uncle Ed's car on my mom's side of the family. I still, I think I remember that car. I think it was like a yeah. light powder blue car that I remember that car. Yes. <laughs> so bye-bye so tobacco farm. So it never occurred yes. to you. Did anybody go into the business after you left? Any of your brothers or sisters take over the farm? The tobacco no, farm? I mean, the funny thing is, I mean, uh, as time goes on, of course, I mean, tobacco is a bad thing now. I mean, well, of course, I mean, nobody yeah. really is in that industry anymore um right. it's not like what it was but everybody that's how they made their money that's how they made the and, and of course in the summers as i got older my first job when i was 13 years old uh, i worked on the tobacco farm but when i was 15 i started working at grand grand amusement park uh and i worked at the amusement park for uh the last few years before i moved to new york that's how i like saved doing, doing shows were you doing uh, no, shows? just working, running, a, uh, running the rides in the amusement park until I left to come to New York. Uh huh. And you lived in that apartment and started. Did you get work right away when you moved to New York? I got my first acting job three weeks after I came to New York. 
And I got my first uh, paying job, uh, survival job, my first full day in New York. I arrived on the 5th and I got a job as a messenger for $6 an hour the first day that I was in New York. Wow. I arrived on a Sunday and I got a job on Monday. So you're paying your bills and auditioning. That's what your life was then. Right. And so what, Going what that, because HBO. Yeah. Oh, you went to, you went to class there? I went to H, oh, uh, HB. Right. I studied with, uh, I, I studied with um, Bill Hickey. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, I wanted to study, this is an interesting story. I wanted to study with Steven Strimpel. Did you know him? Did you know anything about him? Because mm -hmm. I was in, because I wanted to go into the theater and I was a straight A student in school. My teachers, if there were any theater companies that came through the school for assembly, as they called them, my teachers would let me out of class. So I would leave class and I would go and I would go backstage and I would go, I'm going to go to New York. Who should I study with? And the name that kept coming up was Steven Strimpel. So I came to New York and I immediately went to HB Studios and there was a waiting list. And the waiting list was six months and I wanted to get started right away. So when I went to A Studio, they said, well, why don't you study with Barbara Coggan? Because she has the same technique that he has. She was doing Gemini on Broadway at the time. So mm -hmm. I signed up for Barbara's class. And the next morning after I signed up for a class, I got a phone call from HB Studios. And they says, we're sorry to tell you, but Barbara died last night. The morning after I signed up for a class. And that was like, I was off and running. <laughs> that was right after I got, you know, so of course oh, that wow. didn't happen. I, you know, so I, and uh, Steve Strimpel, I didn't study with him. So I got into uh, Bill Hickey's class and, uh, and then I started, you know, auditioning and getting work and it, you know, and started doing summer stock and things started happening for me. So you would get, that's what I did. I did summer stock when I got to New York at first and you'd go around to all these companies. It doesn't exist for kids anymore to get training no. summer stock. No. There's and it no was a very different time. Of me. No, I was just going to say there's, there's really nowhere for them to get experience except cruise ships. They still do shows there. They just don't have the, the places to work and train like we did. And there Where'd were all these showcases in New York. I'm yes. So sorry. And industrial shows. Industrials, showcases, everything. Yeah. There were so many opportunities. I can't even imagine, first of all, what it's like for kids to come to New York. And there, I mean, and what is expected of these kids at oh, such a high level? It's my of athleticism. They're very athletic, vocally and and physically. And the other thing, did we talk about this? I don't think so. Uh, a young person who I, I don't know if I've worked with, but she was saying when you go to auditions now, one of the first things they ask you is what is your is it Instagram done? Instagram follow Instagram followers. Instagram followers. Instagram followers. I wouldn't even know what the hell that so everyone, is. It's very important that you become my followers. Important. So it's yes. important. Yes, that's right. So during all that, though, somewhere it got into your head, apparently, because I've read a lot of stuff about you, that you were going to 
put on a costume and go somewhere as Carol Channing. I mean, how did that whole thing enter your head to do? Well, it didn't really occur to me that I was going to do that because, you know, as a matter of fact, there was an article that came out about this. I did it reluctantly and I did it for 20 years. I made a very good living at it. I performed it. I headlined in Vegas and Atlantic City and everywhere else. Uh, and uh, I was very good at it. Uh, the greatest thing that came out of it was my relationship with Carol Channing. And yeah. that was the greatest gift. Uh, but um, I, and this may come as a huge surprise to everyone who's watching, I regret that I spent 20 years doing it. Because there are people now who think that's all that I can do, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it it is it, it it's a stigma that I still live with. Uh, it's still trying to get from underneath that shadow of it. Um, when it, I could mimic, as I mentioned earlier, I would hear I, her voice. I was able to imitate her voice, and, and I would get up and sing without the costume at parties. And when she came to Broadway in the last revival of Dolly, a friend of mine called me up and said, you should do a show about Carol Canning. And I said, I don't think that I want to do this. And he said, if you don't do it, you'll be making the biggest mistake of your life because you are so good at this. And I said, well, what if she doesn't like it? And, you know, and all of those things. And then I got the opportunity to perform the show as Carol. Uh, let me see if I here. This is a photograph. I'll show these. Show and tell. Mm -hmm. This is a photograph of me performing as Carol the night. There we are. Oh, wow. That's the first. Oh, yeah. That's the first time. That's the first night that she saw me perform as Carol. And she said it was the greatest. And of course, we became very dear friends. I stayed at her home. This photograph was taken in her home in uh, Palm Springs uh, many years later. But uh, so I went to, uh, she was uh, performing uh, as part of the Gaiman's course was doing a tribute to Jerry Herman. And I went in uh, dressed as Carol because a friend of mine dared me to do it. And, <laughs> and I performed for her and brought the house down. And I opened my show at uh, Don't Tell Mama on 46th Street. Uh, as a result of that show, I got booked in Atlantic City. And mm -hmm. that opened those doors. And then I did three long running shows in Atlantic City. And every time I said, okay, I've had enough of this. I'm moving on. I would get another exactly. booking. Right, right. And the bookings were coming along and it was one booking after the next. And it was, I was making a living at this. And when you're making a living in this business and hard to walk you know, away. It, it's hard to walk away from it. And, yeah. uh, but everyone, I, I, you know, there's more of me than Carol Channing, obviously. And even Carol Channing, I have a poster on the wall here where Carol said, you know, Richard, I love the fact that you can do this. I love the fact that you can do this so wonderfully, but no one knows who you are because you are hidden by this persona. Mm -hmm. And that is the huge shame of this. And I'm still 
this many years later. It's been 11 years, Sandy, since I last appeared as Carol. And, and that's still, still the way. Yeah. And it's still there. And I, I, I was good at it. So that. Right. Well, that's the problem. I mean, I, not to. I did Perk and Cute and Perky very well, but it was an act to do a certain part. But you're right. The persona sticks. So I commiserate with you. Yours is just much bigger and more specific. But you do. You get labeled with whatever you happen to be good at. And then that's all they want you to do. So, you know, you just hang in there and do because first of all, you look about 20 and secondly, <laughs> you could do all those things. So so you still have time to do them and even better because of your, your you know, your wisdom and all you've done. And also because you're becoming a type unto yourself as an adult and, and well, an older man. You, you don't thank look you. like one. I would just hang in there well, because you, you love it and you're good at this. So you do this till, you know, something else comes along that you want to do. Thank yeah. You. you have every thank right you. to be thank in this business and do what you want. So do it. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. So you, uh, Carol Channing doing Dolly. I auditioned for that several times. And I know. And I, it was wonderful. Many fans. I've seen the screen test. Well, Maybe. yeah, and then I, after not getting the show ever, I got, Gene Kelly flew me out to do that screen test, and it was between me and E.J. Peeker, and she got it. So we're done with that conversation. Okay, that's <laughs> where I can <laughs> We're done with that. <laughs> after Carol, Carol Channing, though, I know- We'll have a conversation after the fact, but I've got questions I want to ask you, but that, we'll do that no, another time. No, your questions are done, mister. <laughs> The thing of that we sort of passed over that I wanted to talk about just because we do share that too is coming, as I said, from Southern towns where there's a, a regime of the way to behave and what to be and, how, you know, perfectly sweet and lovely and warm people. I'm not saying that, but there is a, a code and a, you know, that you have to... I wasn't a cheerleader, so my life was over. I should have just killed myself. Uh, you know, if you're not going to be a cheerleader and play football, just leave. Um, if you don't go to church every Sunday and have an answer to that question, forget it. You know, we didn't go to church and we lived in the Bible Belt. That was just heresy. My mom was driving, I'll tell you this because you'll enjoy it, with a friend of ours. And uh, her name was uh, Benita. And Benita was being very quiet because the men would sit in the front and the women in the back. And I was sitting in the middle because I was a little kid. And she goes, Sylvia, that was my mother. Sylvia, um, you read a lot. What, what is it exactly that homosexuals do? And my mother says, well, uh, Benita, uh, as far as I can tell, and it's primarily, I, it's primary, and she's whispering to oral. So Benita goes, oh, 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 <laughs> and looks out the window for a good three, four minutes out the window. You can see her brain just spinning and trying to figure it out. And, you know, and she turned back to it. Well, Sylvia, what could they possibly say to each other? <laughs> I'm with her. 
Because in that day and in that part of the country, there was no such thing. There's still probably, you know, at least they're finally coming around to understanding about humans. And, you know. Um, oh, my God. It's so isn't funny. that amazing? No clue yes, and, and no reason to have a clue. None of their business, quite frankly. That's how I feel about well, things. It's you know, nobody's business. You know, Judy Garland once said uh, that she felt that every time she was looking through a keyhole, at somebody else, somebody was looking back at her. And I have found that, you know, and, you know, it's so funny. I'll share this. When you and I and Don sat down to do the interview before, before we started, I said, please understand, I'm, I'm not interested in gossip. And you said, well, then I'm finished. <laughs> and because that's not, I'm not interested in gossip. I've never been interested in gossip. Uh, it's not who I am. It's not what I'm about. It's not what my shows are about. Um, and quite frankly, in terms of the way I live my life, the way I do what I do, I've never understood what it is about our culture where people are so fascinated with the private lives of other people. Mm -hmm. I'm too busy living my life to be concerned about what somebody else is doing in their private lives. Exactly. And, exactly. And I think that if someone's living a full, uh, rich life, they don't have the time to think about what someone else is doing. At least I, I would think You're so. Busy. You're busy doing things. You're busy doing your life. I know that we've been married 43 years. We talked about that. You've been married 20. No, I don't have it. You've been together no, we've 20. been married 33. 33. 33. 33 we've been years? together 33 years. We've been together right. 33, but. We've been legally wed going on 11 years. It's great. It's, it's, it's. Well, we weren't allowed great. to get married until I know. 11 years ago. And take care of each other and, and all that and be present. And things are changing though, right? They are. They just absolutely are changing because they must. Yeah. Well, congratulations to you too. The, the fact that we've Thank both you. hung in there in a relationship that long in this business is I'll a credit. tell you. You know, it's funny because, you know, there's a nail salon here where I live and I used to go for a pedicure. And one day I was getting a pedicure and this wonderful uh, Betty is her name, uh, a Korean uh, lady who was, and she says, uh, Richard, you're a very attractive man. Are you married? This was long before I was able to get married. And uh, I said, Betty, um, I'm gay. Oh. Oh, do you have a partner? And I said, uh, yes. Is he gay too? <laughs> and I, I said, Betty, it's, easy. it's easier that way. <laughs> so one day I was talking, so I was talking to my mom and I said, mom, I, I, I don't know how to tell you this, uh, but I think Danny is gay. And uh, my mom said, I'm going to hang up on you. <laughs> But my parents, my my parents love Danny. It's never been an issue on either side of our family. When I yeah. hear of stories where families want to disown their children yeah. or all of these things, you know, I have I have friends who are watching. We had a dear friend who, uh, at the very end of her life, she was afraid that her family was going to find out that she was gay. At the end of her life, mm -hmm. as she was dying. 
And mm. how sad that as we go through life, I'm reading, you know, I don't know if you know Brene Brown, who I'm a huge yes. fan of. I love her books. I'm reading her book now, Atlas of the Heart, which I talk about a lot. And it, we're reading, I was reading this year on shame and how we go through life, so many of us, with these things that happened in our life that, that we we carry shame around, you know, like a mantle almost, of things that happen in our lives that we have no control over, whether it be right. a, alcoholism or, you know, uh, you know, I grew up in an alcoholic household, you know, and it was something as a kid, you you carry that shame around for such a long time until you're able to talk about it. And there's so many things that people are afraid to talk about in their lives. And until you own it, you know, you are not a free person on it. You know, you have to own whatever it is that you're carrying around with you. And why do you think people don't own it? Just besides the shame, what do they think is going to happen to them? I guess just that people will disapprove and, and not want to be their friend and disown them. And I mean, what keeps people from being, I pretty much say everything about myself, you know, which no, I know you uh, Yes. Well, uh, but don't you, th I mean, don't you say, think if you say it first, you, you own it before someone else does? Oh, I, was, I walk into a room and immediately go, I have this big zit. I know, you know, I have to like <laughs> let everybody know what I, that I know what they're looking at and, and it's a zit and that's what I have today to shoot this scene. Because I figure if I, <laughs> right, declutter the area first and nobody else will. So I, yeah, I most likely will say whatever's going on in my life. Very few secrets do I have. He's not saying anything. I guess it's true. <laughs> is he nodding or shaking his head? He's reading a book, I think. No, he's not. Okay, he's he's kind of going like that. Oh, he's going like this. Mm. I'll call you, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll talk later. We we'll talk have later. To get together. Richard, we have to get together for dinner. I would love that. And you I'll make a promise? pot roast. A pot roast. Okay. Well, uh, you know, Leroy Reams, that's his favorite dinner. We're going to talk because that's his favorite uh, meal. I hope you're watching, Leroy. Oh. Unless oh. he's out at the theater tonight. You're a fan of Leslie Ann Warren's because you, I, can I just, I'm yeah. going to real quick read this. Real, real quick. It won't take long. Four Mac Awards, Bistro Award, Top of the Century Premier Cabaret Acts, Top 10 Cabaret performers you raise money for arts and education and your your mentor was florence how do you say your last name florence florence medora epps and she was your mentor epps. back in georgia she was my mentor here is her photograph i've shared this before there she is uh right there uh -huh. yes that's her and miss epps uh was notorious in our hometown she was the first woman in the 1920s to have her hair bobbed, which was a very racy thing to do. Very. She ordered her husband uh, through a mail order catalog. And when he arrived, she was out of town and her sister met him and married him. And so she lived next door to her sister and she never spoke to her again. She was friends with Edward Everett Horton. Do you remember the character actor? Yes, she was friends of, of the Gish sisters. 
she opened this theater uh, company uh, in the Theater of the Republic where I got started. She was the uh, founder of this theater company. She uh, had this little playhouse in her backyard and she took me under her wing and she instilled in me and this, everyone in the days before Google and everything, uh, I sent you what my sister wrote, if you got a chance to see this, about going to the library and all the books that I would take out of the library because she would say, um, we would be reading and let's say that I'm reading and she would say, okay, what is Sandy Duncan known for? And if I didn't know, she would close the book and she would say, okay, I'll see you next week. And when you come back, you know who she is and what she's known for. And I would have to come back and she would quiz me. And she said to me, when you walk on stage, and I feel this when I sit down in this chair to do the show every time, when you walk out on that stage, you know who these people are and you know where they came from and how they got to where they are because you are carrying the mantle of every great artist that's ever come before you. And it amazes me how many people are in this business who don't know, don't know. who came before them. Yeah. And yeah. it's important that we celebrate these people. I mean, just, you know, a dear friend of mine passed away yesterday and it was sudden. I spoke with her the day before she passed away. She spent the last 11 years of her life trying to get a musical on the life of Liberace. She owned the rights to the musical. She had the rights of his life story uh, through Barbara Sickman, if any of you knew her. She had the rights to his life story through his family estate. Uh, she worked with Marvin Hamlish, and then Marvin Hamlish died. Then she was working with Johnny Rogers, and then Johnny Rogers moved away. She spent 11 years trying to get this musical produced. And she died suddenly yesterday. And the first thing I thought was, I hope it was worth it. I hope all of this effort, she gave up going to dinners with friends, doing all these things that she wanted to do because she was so driven. I would call her, I can't talk because I'm writing a song. I, I, I'm working on this. I'm sitting at the piano. I'm doing this. It was, it was, she was driven for 11 years working on this musical. It was her magnificent obsession, 24-7, working on this and gone yesterday. Mm. And she never got a workshop or anything done of it? She did a few workshops and everything with it, but what will happen with it at this point, who knows? Right. Hard to know. Hard to know if it was worth the time, but I bet she'd say it is. Wow. It's, it's amazing. So Florence would send you the, the library to get all those She books. would send me to the library and I would go in. And what I would do is I would go in. There was a very small section. This was South Carolina. It was a very small section of, of books on theater and the arts. And I would go in and I would go into the index. I would look up names. And if, the, if their names mentioned in the index and there was more than one entrance uh, entry, I would check that book out of the library. And then I would go home and I would read up on as much as I could. And then I would try to connect these stories 
from this book with this book and, you know, and try to tie these stories together. And then in 1974, That's Entertainment came out. And when That's Entertainment came out, there was a huge um, nostalgic craze that was sweeping the country. So, uh, you know, uh, all the MGM musicals and everything was all of a sudden, it was big business for all of these great MGM stars. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you something that I read that is mind boggling when you think about this. When That's Entertainment came out in 1974, that was only 20 years after Gigi. Right. Think about that for a moment. Just think about the films that were on the screen 20 years ago. There's no way that we would have a film like That's Entertainment opening now, no. celebrating no. the movies 20 years ago. No, there, there wouldn't be that much to celebrate. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. That's my point. In that form. In that form. There really wouldn't be. Think of all those stars. Yes. I was saying we were talking the, last night about that. The fact that you know your grandparents and your parents, we we all knew who the stars were. Everybody knew, and this is not just vaudeville old talk. This is family talk, and the fact that there's so much content and so much stuff out there, you can't absorb it. So people have their little niche of what they watch and who their stars are. I mean, my kids will say, "Have you seen so and so?" And I go. I don't even know who that is. And I go, you know, how could you not know? Because that's what you watch. You don't know the rest of this stuff that's going on. And they don't. They don't get the books and read them. They depend on the computer. Well, I would, and, yeah, but and, I would hear the radio on a Saturday afternoon, and I would hear all kinds of music on the radio. Sure. And then when MTV came along, MTV, which I think, in my opinion, everyone, and it's just my opinion, I think MTV was one of the biggest disservices to the entertainment industry because MTV was geared at a very specific demographic. And so only a very specific niche audience was hearing and seeing those videos. And for a long time, they did not even have African-American performers on MTV. I mean, it was, uh, you know, a few years before Michael Jackson even broke that ceiling to get onto MTV. So an entire generation was seeing... And now they own the music business, I think, and rightly so. Black African-American performers, they are, they're the music business, you know, and that's that's high time because you're right, they, they weren't there to be seen and heard initially. And now they dominate. It, it, yes, but it, it but it would be so great if uh, and even th- when you look at Hollywood, and you know a few years ago Tommy Toon when he got the Lifetime Achievement Award, uh, and it was announced that his award would be given prior to the ceremony, I started a petition, and I won everyone. Yes, they did. presented his award. award yes, they it. presented his award during the ceremony, and yeah. and, uh, and I was, thank you, uh, uh, OM, because they invited me to the after party at the Carlisle, uh, and uh, but they were going to. Uh, what is it about a lifetime of achievement in our industry, whether it be film, television, 
or the theater that's relegated to being presented off camera. What, what has happened to this industry and even the in memoriam that they feel that we're not gonna be uh, interested enough uh, to want to sit and, you know, and, you know, and celebrate these people that have entertained us their entire lives. Doesn't make them money. I don't know, but you're getting a statue somewhere. In time make the money, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to head that up. You're such a supporter of everybody. <laughs> you're such a good soul about it that, that it, it resonates. It resonates from person to person. I mean, anybody you mention you to, they go, Oh, God, he's the nicest guy. He's so talented. I mean, people have such a high regard for you. And I thought uh, I had met you somewhere. Did I meet you somewhere? I don't think I ever did. We've met. We've met. Oh, we've yeah. met through Dancers Over 40. And then one night that we kept running into each other, we ran into each other three times in one night when we went to see Fiddler on the Roof uh, with Danny Burston. And I, I don't, for some reason, we kept running into each other over and over and over in the same evening. Would we talk? It was just, just it was as if we were talking to each other. We would just go, hi. I said, hi, Richard. Because right, right. when I met, you know, the, when, the thing that I thought, he looks like somebody I know or somebody I've, you know, been with, but I haven't. I've just in passing said, we yeah, would, yeah. Josh Ellis is reading that day, the thing that he does, you know, his evening that he would do. Were you there that afternoon? Yes. I, that, I think we sat close to each other and I kept looking no, at No, but him. I have heard uh, that Josh Ellis, who I know is watching tonight, I have heard your, uh, <laughs> your answering uh, uh, machine, uh, uh, your calls from, uh, which, which I love, by the way. But you have to see a show to see it or to hear it. What? <laughs> it's another side to Sandy Duncan. That's all I'm saying. You've heard it. Oh, okay. I'll I'll ask to see that. Uh, Leslie yeah. Ann Warren. What is it you? No, wait. That's yeah. that's over here because I couldn't understand what this was. It says, "All right, uh, you were the winner of the Turner Movie Classic Film Festival competition. Now, what is that?" I they were they were looking they were holding a competition. And I sent a screen test uh, in, uh, and I, I won. Uh, and I went out uh, to Hollywood, and I, I presented Jezebel, uh, Betty Davis, Henry Fonda, at the uh, Turner Classic Movie Film Festival at Grauman's Chinese Theater. Wow. What year was that? Now, no one can replace Robert Osborne. No one. But... Anyone out there who's listening, I want to step into those shoes. That's yes, where I want to be. Is yes. it? Well, then do that thing where you visualize a goal I, and you'll get it. visualizing it. I'm visualizing wanna, right I, now that I'm going to win the publisher's, what's it called? Publisher's Clearinghouse Award. I'm going to win all that money. <laughs> that's what I'm, my things. That's that's a pretty big deal that, that you got that. Yeah. I mean, that's. Yes, well, maybe you will get that great job time. All right. Yes. Rogers so, and, this is what I did not understand. Rogers and Hammerstein's Cinderella DVD release with, what does that mean that you did with Leslie? I mean, what did you released it? You, you directed it. What does that mean? No. Well, you, do you know, you know, Doug Denoff, don't you? 
No. Uh, do you know I don't Doug know anybody. Well, okay, well, Doug Denoff uh, was working for Shout, and when they were, uh, they uh, restored Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella with Leslie Ann Warren. I grew up watching that television special from 1965. It was shown from 1965 until 1972 or three, I think it was. And I was obsessed with Leslie Ann Warren. I was in love with her. I, you know, every year that special would come on and I wanted to, uh, I was just in love with her. And so, and then when I came to New York, um, because this is the kid I was, I found Celeste home in the uh, white pages. I called her up. We eventually became very good friends. Um, my husband, Dan, who you will be meeting, uh, Dan and Celeste uh, shared a birthday. We spent many birthdays together over the years. Um, but when the restored version came out, uh, Doug uh, told me about it. And I said, if you do anything in New York with that version, I want to be the one to interview her on stage. And he said, if it happens, you'll be the person. And I was coming wait, from wait, Malibu. Wait, 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 wait. Yes. So, so what does Dan do that he would be connected with the release of that? What, he what has is, nothing what is to do with it. He's just married to me. I'm just saying that he, he and Celeste Holmes share a birthday. And Celeste right. Holmes was a fairy godmother in uh, Cinderella. Oh, okay. That's the only connection. Okay, so okay. I am on, I am boarding a plane coming back from uh, Malibu to New York. And I get a text message from Doug Denoff saying, are you available? I think the date was September 15th. Uh, I think we're going to be able to do this with Leslie and Warren. Are you interested? And I practically jumped out of my skin. Talk about manifestation. I it dreamed of this moment and it happened. She couldn't have been nicer. One of the nicest in this business, um, we had a we hit it off, and when I started doing this, she was the very first person I called. She was my first interview. Uh, at that time, I was just doing an audio interview, and I did an interview with her last year, uh, which we did on camera. And uh, she is—I mean, every time I've reached out to her, she said yes to me. She is just the nicest. One of the nicest people, like you, Sandy. She is just genuine in this business. No, I don't think so. I, I don't find her genuine at all. I was 14 years old, and I went to see 110 in the Shade. And I sat there green with jealousy because I'd come up from Texas to see this show. And that girl was up there performing the way I wanted to perform, <laughs> which was not nice. <laughs> So I had this question, <laughs> I can do that. I'm going to do that. So when I did my first audition, I did Little Red Hat. That was my audition piece. Only I'm so oh. dumb. I did both parts. It's a duet. And I went, we get in the car. We get in the car. He steps we in the car. We get in the car. I, I, I want to do that song with you. That's my dream. My little red hat, my little red hat. Oh, my Lord. See, our paths cross again. We're both in love with Leslie Ann Warren. Yes. <laughs> oh, my first Broadway show. Oh, I love Leslie. 
Yeah, she's yes. lovely. She's lovely. On, I don't know her, but anyway. All right, there's somebody else that you oh, did that I will say this. I mean, she's, she's just been, she's been absolutely been wonderful to me. All right. She's wonderful to me, too. She gave me an audition piece. I never got a job with it, but I was sure good in it. I do like a little thing where I break into dance and do a little ballet and then do a little tap. And people I auditioned for were just stunned. They would sit there like, oh, my God, stunned by what they had seen. Oh, I was so bad. And she was so good. OK, here we go. This this other one is somebody I happen to know, too. Uh, performer Julie Budd, you did the CD release. Uh, yes, of interview yes. and promotion for that. Did you yes. know her before you did? Oh, it? yeah. Julie has become a very dear friend. Uh, I, I did p uh, publicity for Julie for a while. I've done uh, I've done publicity for a few people in the business. You know, uh, oh, Lucy really? Arnaz was first. Ah. And Lucy reached out to me. Well, she's a friend of mine. Yeah. Did you see? Did She's, you ever see you know, Vanity? She and I did Vanities together with Stocker Channing when we were all in our like mid twenties, I think, out in, at the Mark Taper Theater, and we became very wow. good friends. And we lose track of each other because we move around. Well, Lucy is going to be coming to Feinstein's this summer. Let's go together. Absolutely. That's it. That's okay. A, it's that's a date. A date. Yeah. yeah. Okay. She's and she's turned and she replaced me actually in my one and only when I left the show on tour. She came in and replaced me for the rest of the tour. And since that time she may have stepped into your shoes, Sandy, but nobody can replace you. No, well, she stepped into my shoes. And, well, her feet are bigger than mine. She did something. <laughs> but I'll tell you what she has done. Her singing and her nightclub and all that. She has improved and become this. I mean, she's become who she's become. I mean, and it's amazing. She stepped out of the shadows and is, yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. That's really the, oh, this one thing. And I know a lot of friends that came to this that were in the show. You produce, I didn't know that, and hosted the 50th anniversary celebration of the Hello Dolly at Sardi's with all original cast mm -hmm. members. Ron Young is a friend of mine, and he flew in. People flew in all over. I know. I hope you're watching. Everybody flew in, and it was amazing because when I started putting this together, I it's very interesting. I got a call from Jerry Herman the night before this event, and I did it all myself. Uh, I to pat myself on the back. Uh, I got no help from anyone. I reached out to Jajansom, uh, who owns the St. James Theater. I reached out to everyone to try to get support to help me with this. And everything landed on deaf ears. And Jerry Herman called me the night before this all happened. And he said, if I had not done this, and it was the 50th anniversary, Hello Dolly would have been forgotten that year. Hello Dolly! Which oh was God. at one time the longest running show, and until the producers came along, the most lauded show on Broadway as far as the Tony Award is concerned. And no one did anything to honor that show that year. And she had always dreamed of the 50th anniversary revival. Uh, it didn't happen until, you know, Bette Midler, you know, at, came along and did her revival. But, uh, it's those are one of those things that I am so proud of 
that I was able yeah. to pull that off. Even in just in, in respect to all the women that followed her through that revolving door and did the role, you know, just to honor the, the, it was a, it was uh it was kind of ahead of its time because that's what they've done with Chicago, of course, but the idea of, you know, women coming in, who all did it? It was Pearl Bailey, uh, Mary Martin. I don't know who else. Well, after uh, after Carol, uh, it was uh, Ginger Rogers, and then Martha Ray, uh, Betty Grable, uh, per, uh, then uh, Pearl Bailey, uh, and then uh, after Pearl Bailey, Phyllis Diller, and then Ethel Merman. Uh, Sandy, I know that you are in charge, but I'd like to take over for just a minute, if I may. Because right. I want to let everyone know uh, that uh, I reached out and I asked Don uh, because it, it means so much to me that you uh, wanted to do this. First of all, that you cared enough to uh, that you were interested enough to want to do this, and I want to give back in some way. And I asked for a charity, and he mentioned the World Central Kitchen. So I want everyone, if you can, any amount that you can make for the World Central Kitchen, if you could make a donation, you can see the address. It's on the bottom of the screen tonight. Uh, if you enjoy tonight's show, um, please make a contribution. Uh, it, it will help, uh, you know, uh, their kitchen in the Ukraine was bombed. Uh, and you can go to their website, learn a little bit more about what they're doing. Um, it's, a, it's a great cause. Please, please, please. Uh, make a contribution if you can. Uh, we are going to be running out of time in a few minutes because I want to respect your time and everyone else's. I don't like to run over uh, an hour. Uh, I could spend hours with you. Uh, so if there's anything that you didn't ask that you want to ask me so that we do end on time, you know, so that uh, but, uh, it's, you know, you are in charge. So it's up to you. But we are at uh, basically the two minute mark. Okay, just for two minutes, say something of what. Thank you for the for uh, you know endorsing the the charity. Um, I want to hear just a touch of that southern accent you had to lose. Just say something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, you, know that I still have that accent. <laughs> well, I, no, I want to tell you, you do. I have, yeah. I had to lose my Texas accent. So if, if you and I were sitting down somewhere and I'm starting to talk like I did in Texas, you would sound like what? I think I would go, I, I think I would slip right into it. When I go home uh, yeah. and I'm talking to my family, uh, it, I slip right into it. Yeah. And yours right is there. prettier than ours. Ours is a twangy up in the nose. Yours is kind of soft. <laughs> you made my day. Oh my God. I love I could, doing this. I could Oh, yeah, right back into it. Yeah, easy. So whenever you want a partner to do this, I'm it. Don't think of anyone else. Oh, no, no, anytime, anytime. Was there anything that you didn't, uh, I mean, uh, that you didn't ask me that you wanted to ask me? Uh, I wanted to know when you just glossed over what Daniel does. To, to uh, he's a landscape architect. Oh, my, I'm a gardener. I'm a well, really. Gotta come up. He'll, he'll come up. He's watching. He's at his cousin's tonight watching because we have a little Maltese and he's there watching uh, at his cousin's tonight. So, uh, um, you know, they're, they're, 
they're having a big viewing party tonight. Yeah, There's a whole group a of them watching. Tonight. I might take him yes. away from you. I need a landscape artist. <laughs> He's great at it. He's one of the best. I bet. Well, you're one of the best, and I appreciate the time being with you and why everybody's crazy about you. It's clear why. Well, I love you. I have been a fan of yours since, and I can't say this about too many people. There are not too many people who actually flew over my head, but you did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, you know, and thank Thank Don for letting me uh, have you for an hour tonight. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say good night. I love you. Mwah. I love you. Too. We're going to have that dinner. Okay. Good night. Hot roast. Good night, everybody. Thank you for being here. Good night.